taking command is a story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. At the bottom of the hill, the British are regrouping. Hal seems himself again and calls for a quick officer meeting, including Major General Charles Gray. Pagot, the soldiers have zeal for another attempt, Hal says. In the background, the troops are spirited and call out, push on, push on, to his officers. Are you all behind another assault? We are. Good, House says, for when men of fine feeling agree, the outcome will be for God's glory. The officers nod to each other that Howe is altogether back. Gray, when are Gage's reinforcements due to arrive from Boston? They are due to arrive any time now, General Howe, led by Gage's son-in-law, Kemble. Good man, House says, fought with him against the French. Instruct the men to dispense with their packs and other unnecessary equipment. This time we travel light. The officers nod. We will direct our assault at the redoubt and breastwork. I noticed an opening to my left when I was up there before by the rail fence. How stops momentarily as fullness comes over him again, remembering him to his boundless moment. He shakes his head as his highly attuned Masonic officers take in his movement and his contrasting states. Then we see how, with noticeable effort, recover his sense of the limited and material as he adds, We will reposition our cannon on the right to rake the men behind the fletches and breastwork with grape shot. Pagot adds, And the line? We will advance toward the breastwork and the redoubt in a column of eight men across and 12 feet between each man. We will pack the soldiers in from behind in very deep files. The enemy will perceive our legions as endless with replacements. This is to commence immediately before the militias gather on Bunker Hill, reinforce their rebel lines. Officers say, we will see to it. Conquer or die, Howe says. Conquer or die. Scene 26. In the redoubt, all 150 men are still alive. As Warren attends to the wounded, Prescott is by his side. They will be coming again. My sons of liberty are ready, Prescott. How many of theirs have fallen while we remain steady? A banded soldier says, Thanks to your doctoring, Master Warren. Warren smiles. Master Warren, Jeremy asks, I have a feeling that what we all do here today is something for the ages. And if any of us pass on, we will be glory lit and never die. You have come far in your understanding, young Jeremy. That is a secret. In God's liberty are we fearless to meet any challenge. Liberty is freedom. 
Smith says, no truer words were spoken, brethren, brothers. It is not by chance that all who remain here with us are friends, and some of us participated in other liberty events, including the Tea Party. Master Warren organized that one in such a way that all who participated came alone and were not privy to the action of any other contributor each of those fearless men came and left as individuals. That way, no one could involve anyone else. God from within organized each participant with impulse. Looking at Warren, Tom says, you, you did that, sir? And you men too? Smiles and nods. Tom, only heroes act alone. Smith, you are one of us, boys when the feeling that is God drives your will. Thank you, thank you, God, Tom says, for being with us on this momentous day. Everyone moves to his post. Warren is just about to write something with a pencil. We see him flip over Mercy's letter to the back side. Another speech, Master Warren? Warren nods and continues his writing while Jeremy turns his attention to the British. We hear what Warren writes. My mercy, your poem is beyond words. I have read it so many times, I must admit, the paper begins to tear. I am in a redoubt on Breed Hill. I wish I were there where you are. As I write this, I love you with my entire soul I owe to God. God forgive me, but that is true. I cannot say less, for you are my pure self. Oh, mercy, this third assault will be upon us. So many of my Masonic friends are here with me by chance. Many who deserted were not Masons. They did not hear the call from within. We are ready. There have been two assaults, and none of us have died. This was meant to be. Oh, and something happened to me entirely spiritual during the last assault. For a long moment, I swear, there was complete fullness in me. And I found myself facing toward the east, and I was united with someone from the enemy lines. And together, we experienced peace. There isn't time right now to make sense of it, but later, we will together. Mercy, I'm sorry, but I must risk all that I hold dear one more time to establish God's glorious reign in our land of religious freedom, our new Jerusalem where liberty is freedom. We here are the sons of liberty. If we do not do this, who will? Oh, my eternal love, my soul, if I do not return, you will receive these words. Teach my children well and find me there with you, my love, in your most devout communion with God in silence. I will find you, I swear it, in that little room within, at our center. I must go now. I am always your Joseph in eternity. I love you, Mercy. I love you, my warrior poet without rival. Oh God, how I miss you, Mercy. 
Scene 27. American troops are deserting the fletches and breastwork as Howe's cannon fire rakes through. They run toward the redoubt. Stark and his men are watching this unfold from the rail fence where they are not under attack. The men yell over the artillery fire. Colonel Stark, we gotta help them. McClary's over there now and his men are being hit hard. I know, Pete. We can't. We can't? It would be suicide, Pete. The hell with that, Jackson says. Come on, Pete. We gotta do something. Pete and Jackson move as one. Wait up. I've got a plan. The Brits are too many now. We'll help out this way. Commanders, reposition the men on the back side of the hill down there. Stark points to a place at an angle down the hill behind the battle area. Those men are going to be retreating soon and we'll position ourselves to knock off those redcoats as they give chase. We'll help our boys that way. His men say, yeah, we're on that. Clear out. Take only what you need. Scene 28. In the redoubt, the men are waiting and watching. Smith says, what's this? What's this? Looky here what I found. What? What, Smith? He holds up something. An artillery cartridge. More manna from heaven, Warren says. Thank you, God. Smith and others rip it open and carefully distribute the powder to all the men. Do not waste any of this manna, Prescott says, as he winks over at Warren, who nods with heroic charisma. Men, make sure every shot tells them we Americans are here to stay. Yeah, says the men. And you men with bayonets, get over there and stop them. Colonel Prescott, Jeremy says, our reinforcements have come. 150 men are pouring over the left side of the bunker, escaping the British artillery. McClary says, we just made it out, Colonel. Reed will be here shortly, and Knowlton, too. Welcome, men. Greetings are going on. You men low on ammo? Some of us are, McClary says. Share our manna with them, men. They look with what? As they receive the powder. Warren has blessed it. Warren pointing. Battle stations, they're coming. Prescott yells. Fifteen feet, then fire. The Brits are rushing the redoubt. Fire! We hear the Brits say, conquer or die. The Americans hit them with continuous sheets of fire. The British officers go down, and they are repulsed overall, but don't run. A British sergeant takes command without officers around. We hear the sergeant say, conquer or die. He and his men come over the parapet. Another redcoat officer says, bayonets charge, go. Throughout, we're hearing conquer or die, men screaming. The Americans fight valiantly. More Brits come over the wall. Fire, Prescott yells, completely surrounded now. And with little ammo, the Brits are charging with their bayonets. We hear Warren yell, fight with your guns. Rocks! Warren is now dueling a bayonet with his sword. The fight area is thick with men, noise, and screams. McClary is in the midst of it, yelling, Don't give in! Pints! Prescott then is yelling, Retreat! Retreat, men! Men start fleeing down the back side of the hill with some redcoats in pursuit. Colonel Stark and his men are ready to ambush the Brits. He says, Here they come, boys! Steady! Aim! Fire! 
Fire! Redcoats fall! Cut to the redoubt! Prescott is still there yelling retreat while sword fighting. Tom and Jeremy, come on, Warren, let's go. No, no, you boys go. I'll be there. I must make sure. You there, retreat. We'll fight another day. Prescott yells, get out, Warren, get out. Warren is still parrying as one of the Brits rip his clothes with a bayonet. General Howe has entered the redoubt with his staff. Lieutenant. Who is that gentleman over there, the one with the fine clothes? I know not, General. Warren has finally retreated, but three are after him. So he turns and fights off all three with his sword. Patterson has joined Howe. Patterson, who is that man? The last of them, he points. Why, that's Joseph Warren. I know of him. A lieutenant says, General, Warren's a traitor. The lieutenant's servant, a traitor? He raises his gun. Hal looks over at him. Everything slows down in this segment as Hal says, no, cowardly. Too late, the servant fires and Warren falls. Hal realizes from within that this was the man he merged with from afar. Great remorse comes over him, and he has to stay his hand from killing the servant, who feels Hal's intention and recoils. Hal realizes he has shown too much emotion and with effort pulls himself together. Hal speaks to Patterson absently. What was a man like that doing here? Last out and taken down by a nobody? Such men as he are in rebellion? What is this? General, Patterson says, cut to Tom and Jeremy, who are little ways down the hill and have seen Warren fall. No, Warren, no, Jeremy starts to run back. Tom grabs him. Let me go, Jeremy says. No, Jeremy, Warren is dead. No, he's dead. We can't help him now. We have to. Let me go. You don't know. He may be alive. Tom fighting back tears. You're right. Let's go. They dash the 50 yards to Warren. Cut to Stark, Pete, and Jackson. Looking on in amazement. What are they doing? Pete and Jackson shake their heads. Who is that fallen soldier? Stark looks through his spyglass. My God, it's Warren. Come on, boys. It's our general. Let's give a hand. We're with you, Colonel. Cut to Tom and Jeremy running up to Warren. They fall to their knees. Oh, Warren! Warren! The Brits are coming, but Pete and Jackson drill them. Warren comes too and knows them. Boys, you must leave. Save yourselves. We will carry you to safety, Jeremy says. Warren is very peaceful. It's time for me. Tom and Jeremy lightly cry and hold Warren's hand. Stark and the others are there now, looking on with concern. Warren says, don't worry, I know who I am. God has a place for me. I am very glad we all fought together. I'm proud of you boys. Keep fighting for America's liberty. Never forget, she is our new Jerusalem. Warren's eyes close and he smiles as he whispers, Mercy. 
Joseph and Tom, Warren, they crossed themselves, and all the Masons present crossed their heart with one or two arms and showed great emotion for one of their own. Stark says Warren was called and did his great part for our cause. There never will be his like again. Silence. They have been spotted. The Brits are coming, Pete says. We can't leave him. Stark, we go now. We'll come back. Come on, Pete says. They all run. Tom, Jeremy says, we fight for God's glory and for Warren another day. Those with ammo turn and fire, and from above we soon hear, cease fire, cease fire. Scene 29. 5 p.m., British atop Breed Hill. Soldiers are walking down the hill. We hear snatches of conversation. Why are we stopping? Let's get this over with now. Who gave the order to desist? Not General Howe, did he? Howe always finishes. I say we finish the job. Look at them run. The dead and wounded are everywhere. We have to do this now. General Howe is speaking to Dr. Jeffries, who has his medical team with him, ready to attend to 500 wounded and 500 dead soldiers. And then we see Howe look down the other side of the hill, where General Clinton is coming up on the double with his troops. Dr. Jeffries, a moment of your time. Yes, sir. The doctor momentarily turns to his staff that attends to the wounded. I'll be with you shortly. Excellent job, doctor. Thank you, sir. He notices Howe has a foot injury and is smeared with blood. Are you all right, sir? Yes, yes. When you have time, sooner than later, doctor, please identify the body of the man in gentleman's clothing just over yonder. How points down the hill, backside. I'm sorry. I believe it's someone we both know, a Joseph Warren. Joseph? No! Uh, sorry, sir. A wave of emotion sweeps across the doc's face, which he controls. I understand, Jeffries. He was your friend. I am sorry for your loss. Passing between them is Mason feel, Mason substance. The doc feels that Howe has previously taken the measure of Warren and found him to be worthy. The doc quick nods Howe and he returns it. Thank you for your understanding, sir. General Clinton is standing a little removed with his officer's staff and a large body of troops. He is red-faced and waiting without patience. The general says, please report to me tomorrow morning with your findings, Dr. Jeffries. The doctor salutes and Howe nods. Yes, sir, General Howe. Clinton now rushes in like a man on his own private mission. His officers and troops are at a distance. Howe's officer staff are in attendance. Clinton says, General Howe, excellent victory. Howe tries to speak, but... Clinton continues unabated. Howe registers the Clinton indiscretion with a slight twisting of his mouth. My men and I have come, Clinton says, with your permission, of course, General Howe, to finish off the rebels, seize all the heights, including Dorchester, which I have previously stated to be of great importance. 
Hal puts up his hand slowly. That will not be necessary, Clinton. A general ceasefire has been called. The men have done enough for today. General Howe, I submit a vigorous pursuit of the panic-stricken rebels right now will make our victory decisive. Howe's jaw begins to set as Clinton continues. General, more is required. We must push on. Howe raises his eyebrow with irony. Clinton was not in the battle and lets Clinton feel his full weight of knowing as he draws himself up in presence and says with emphasis to his staff, to the launch and then to my ship. Hal and his men pass by looking at Clinton. Clinton is fuming as he watches Hal and his entourage leave. Dr. Jeffries is close by attending to the wounded and turns to look for a moment. Clinton sees Jeffries and shoots him a menacing look for listening and not keeping his head down. Doctor? The doctor moves off with some of his staff to look over the back side of the hill. He sees Warren's body and nods wistfully as a sudden breath of air arises from the center of his being and a wave of melancholy floods him. Dr. Jeffries? A fellow doctor inquires. Dr. Jeffries walks down the hill several paces and says under his breath in a whisper, My friend Joseph, you were right. You were right with your ever better common sense. Oh, my truly heroic friend of everyone. I should have been with you, Warren. I should have been there until the end. You ever were and always will be the soul of America's revolution. I salute you, my friend. Rest in God's glory, Joseph. Jeffries masonically salutes him with his right hand over his heart and then adding his left. Dr. Jeffries, are you all right? Dr. Butler says. Yes, doctor, perfectly so. We will need all the conveyances we can find, carts, coaches, and wagons to carry out our injured first, and then the dead from the field. Cut to Hal with his staff and men at the shore. Hal gets into a skiff alone with the rower. We see his men looking on and then at each other with perplexed looks after they push off his boat. 30. Colonel Stark, Pete, Jeremy, Tom, Jackson, and others on their way down the back side of Breed Hill meet up with Prescott. Stark, where is he? Did Warren make it out? Last of them, fighting off three redcoats on the back side when a cowardly shot hit him. Prescott is stunned. Damn. Prescott shaking his head. I told Warren to get out. Stark with emotion, best of us, his smile at the end. Heaven, Jeremy adds. <sighs> Warren was the spirit of the army. He was our cause. True, now what? Colonel Prescott, Warren's out on the hill. We had to fight our way out before. Let's go back and get him. It's not right leaving him up there. We're with you, Stark. 
Keaton Jackson say? Us too, Tom and Jeremy, and start up the hill. Prescott takes out his glass and looks. He yells after them. No, too many redcoats. They stop. They're down the backside. Not now, Prescott says. Under his breath as the others approach. Warren, I should have. Tom overhears. That was Master Warren's nature. Best of us, Stark adds, heroic until the end. Willing to die for what he believed. We promised Warren that we would fight on until the end. Until the end, Tom, for Warren's cause. Prescott is very moved and turns away. Stark pats him on the back. We're with you, boys. We're with you. Scene 31. Dr. Jeffries, his staff, a colonel, and a lieutenant are coming over the hill to take a look at Warren's body, and they find a burial detail clustered around it. Who is this man in the fine clothes? I don't know, the second redcoat says, but I want his tunic. I heard someone say that this was the rebel leader. Let's put his head on a pike. Under his breath, shh, officers, they move aside. There'll be none of that talk here, private, the colonel says. Whatever else he was, this man was a mason. Move off. Doctor? Dr. Jeffries approaches the body and holds his emotion in check. Lieutenant, this is Joseph Warren's body. I have been instructed by General Howe to remove any personal effects of his from the scene and take them to him. Remove what you will, doctor. Jeffries makes himself emotionless with effort as he removes Warren's wallet from a side pocket and places it in a bag. Lieutenant Lorry, you are in charge here, the colonel says. See to it that no desecration to the body occurs. Yes, sir. The colonel and Jeffrey's party move away. The lieutenant speaks to the burial party. I fought at Concord Bridge against Warren's rebels. You men will bury him with this other rebel and may his seditious principles be buried with him. But as the colonel said, his head and all body parts remain with the body. See to it. The lieutenant rides away. The redcoat says, but not his clothes. Scene 32. Dr. Jeffries is waiting to see a very busy General Howe aboard his flagship Cerberus. Generals Clinton and Burgone are just leaving. Clinton recognizes Jeffries and scowls at him. Major John Andre, Howe's aide, shows him in. Howe's staff leaves as well. Andre says, the general will see you now. Howe is seated and gestures with elegance for Jeffries to sit. Your findings, doctor? Yes, General Howe. It was General, I mean, Joseph Warren. Jeffries has erred in his mind and speech. Howe notes all. Were there any personal effects? Jeffries is decidedly nervous as he fumbles, taking out Warren's wallet and passing it across the table to Hal. 
Yes, here is his wallet. Have you reviewed the contents? Jeffries is steadfast when he answers, and Hal knows it. No, sir, these were his, not my place. Good man, Jeffries, please be at ease, doctor. Yes, sir. Jeffries shows unease. He knows Hal is fishing. Hal feels his unease and lightens up. Warren was a general. He recently received the rank, Jeffrey says, but it was not yet official. Ah, Hal keeps eye contact thinking. And yet, doctor, he was there fighting as a civilian. Hal, with his energy, has gotten the doc to speak. As a son of liberty, that was Warren. Jeffries has spoken too freely and feels it. How plain him now. How so, doctor? Jeffries shows resistance in motion and energy, and then his face changes to, why not? Warren was always ready to give a hand. He was not afraid. You both were and are Masons? Yes, sir, General Howe. Warren's degree, Grand Master of the Masons. Yes, I saw that, Howe says. Jeffrey looks closely at Howe, wonders, and realizes from Howe on the fly that he saw Warren at or near the end. General, perhaps I dare when I should not. Howe, with a look, gives him leave to continue. How did he die? He died well, very well, fighting three of ours at the end. In truth, 500 men would not have equaled Warren. How adds the quick nod of a warrior concurring. Yes, that was my friend, Jeffrey says, Warren. Thank you, sir. I wonder, doctor, if you are entirely happy here and if your allegiance is completely with the crown. Yes, sir, general. I may admire my friend, but my heart is ever with England. In the same way, General, if I may add, how nods. Yes, in the same way that the Whigs are for England, even though the Tories might not agree. That will be all, Doctor. Jeffrey salutes and turns to leave with a look of, what made me say that? Hal watches him leave with a slight smile of, how could he have guessed and then no? Howe's attention switches to the wallet. He takes hold of it, looks at it, and then carefully opens it and finds Mercy Scalay's envelope. He reads and smiles approvingly. A poem. He reads some more, continues smiling, and turns it over. And now we see him carefully reading Warren's battlefield reply on the back of it. Howe's aide-de-camp knocks at the door. Not now. In a few minutes. Howe reads a part of Warren's letter intently, two times with the back of his hand to his mouth, and then mouthing the words in a whisper. Unbelievable. This really happened, and Warren was there, now speaking to God above. God, I know it did, but then one doubts only natural. Now speaking to Warren in heaven, Hal looks up and crosses his arms over his chest. 
O Warren, my brethren, my friend, my brother, somehow I must finish what you have. In the midst of speaking, the general is seized by tremendous emotion, happy and then sad tears at the same time, as he realizes that something great and illimitable has stirred his soul. His face is lit with the realization that possibly he has been weighted and imbued with irrepressible knowledge of God's intended outcome for this campaign. Hal pauses with this and then carefully puts Warren's letter back into the wallet and places it in a safe place behind a book on the shelf. Hal absently looks at a map of Boston. His aide knocks again. Hal's face becomes sublimely composed. Yes, please come in, Andre. Afternoon dispatch, General. Yes, thank you. Call in the staff. Andre leaves. Allegiance. Allegiance indeed to God. Yes, Brother Warren, God's will first. He smiles and nods with mirroring zeal from within as he opens the dispatch.